Hi, it's Tiffany from Talk Tea Speech. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the third episode of the Talk Tea Podcast. I never know how to start an intro. I'm always just trying to avoid being like, hey guys. <laughs> so today we are going to be talking about collaboration. And when you're a speech therapist, whether you're in early intervention or another setting, you're always collaborating with other professionals because we are treating patients as a whole. So they may have other needs besides speech therapy. And so you might be collaborating with an OT, a PT, and then in early intervention, we have the DIs, the developmental interventionists. So they're kind of like teachers where they're doing a lot of the early learning skills and uh, things of that nature. Collaboration is not always easy. You're working with a lot of different personalities and sometimes egos get in the way. And I know personally, when I first started, it was almost like I wanted to prove that I knew what I was talking about. And then it can be very tempting to want to correct people when maybe they don't understand the full scope of practice of an SLP. So there's definitely a delicate balance between knowing what your scope of practice is, also listening to the other professional and being able to get feedback and give feedback. So there is there are a lot of components involved. It's not every day that you have to co-treat, especially in early intervention, because you typically see a child on your own for speech therapy, then they'll have another day with their DI or OT. So we're not running into the other professionals on the team that often. So when you do meet up, it might be during a meeting or you might just cross paths when you're seeing the child and then maybe the other professional will come in for their session after you. I'm going to share a story from my early days in early intervention where the child received speech and also DI. So I would run into this DI every so often. She had probably been in this for 20 years plus and I was just starting out so I was only in it for a couple of months. I think it can be tempting when you've been in this for so long to want to be the leader and want to teach. I noticed during meetings or you know anytime I would run into her there was a dynamic that was more like her trying to take the lead rather than being a teammate with me. So I don't know if she felt like she needed to teach me because she's been in this for so long, but I always felt like kind of small whenever I was next to her. She was kind of looking down on me because I was new. And I personally don't agree with that mindset because whenever I meet new SLPs, I want to learn from them because I know they're just out of school. There's new research out there, new things to be learned. So I just really didn't appreciate that. We do want to learn from other professionals, but I really felt like it wasn't a two-way street. It was more her telling me, what she thinks I should be doing in speech therapy. And that's where it gets a little dicey because when someone is telling you what to do that's outside of their scope of practice and it's encroaching on your professional knowledge, it can be, it's just an icky feeling. I remember a specific instance of being in a meeting with her and I started to talk and tell the parent what I was seeing and this DI stopped me and she said the service coordinator is going to talk and then I'm talking and then you can have your turn but it was very like condescending and that's what makes collaboration a little tricky because you have to be able to give feedback but also be receptive to it and you're balancing between wanting to teach someone 
someone what you know, but also not be condescending or too egotistical. And I think sometimes people forget that. And I'm not saying that I don't do it too, because there have been times where I've been like, oh, you know, that's my scope of practice and she doesn't really know this. But I think it's important to be kind and be willing to listen to the feedback. And what's important to remember is that you're both there for the well-being of this client, this child. And so we really need to work on not letting our egos get in the way. We need to be aware of the fact that our goals as professionals should align. The goal is really to get the child to reach their full potential. If we are sitting there in a meeting and just judging the other therapist for what they do or don't know, that doesn't really get us anywhere. So going back to that DI, I remember being in a meeting one time with her and we were at a school. And at one point, the school representative asked me if I saw signs of apraxia in the child. And the DI just completely interrupted. And she said, no, I don't think so because this, this, and this. I remember being so taken aback because as you know, if you're an SLP, you know that apraxia, when we're talking about that, that is totally within the scope of an SLP only. And so when she jumped in and said that, I froze. I was new and I didn't know how to be like, oh no, this is not in your scope of practice. Please let me speak. (laughs) So I just let her take over and I wish I could go back now. I would definitely go back give a little background on what childhood apraxia of speech is, and I would listen to what she had to say, but I would also go back to the question and answer it myself. It is also important to not let people steamroll over you when you're trying to give your professional opinion. Remember that even if you are new, it doesn't mean that you're less than or that you don't know enough because yes, maybe you have less experience, but it doesn't mean that you're less educated. Which brings me to another story of being on a team with another SLP who was in it for, I would say, 30 years plus. This child that we were both seeing needed speech twice a week, but I think we both could only do once a week, which is why he had two speech therapists. And I remember just feeling so judged by this SLP when I was making a referral to OT. I remember knowing that this was the appropriate referral for this child, but this SLP questioned me so much about it. She said, why would this child need OT? I don't understand why you think that would be beneficial. This brings me back to why knowing another professional's scope of practice is so important so that you can make appropriate referrals. And I had just been out of grad school at that point. And so I remember very clearly what the scope of practice of an occupational therapist was. So when this SLP questioned me on why I was making this referral, I was able to back it up and let her know why. The moral of that story is to stay confident and true to what you believe because they're are going to be other therapists who might question you. And that can be really difficult, especially if that other therapist is more seasoned or they've been in this longer than you. But again, it doesn't mean that you're not knowledgeable. So it's important that you have your reasons to back up what you're saying, the type of treatment you're doing, whatever referrals you're making. You want to be able to back that up with your own education and knowledge and not let other people's judgment of you get in the way. 
there's just so much to be learned on both sides, whether you're in this for a long time or you're new, because if you've been in it for a long time, it's great to be able to share your experiences so that new therapists can learn from you and maybe the mistakes that you've made. But also if you're a new therapist, you have a lot of new research that you've learned and the new methods because you're just freshly out of school, the more we try to one-up each other, it just makes for a really unpleasant experience and it's not benefiting anybody. Again, we need to zoom out and really put the child first and it's not about what we know and proving to everyone that we know what we're doing and what we're talking about. Yes, is it important that you know what you're doing and what you're talking about? Yes, but it's not always a competition with the other therapist. The reason that I could even speak on this is because I've had all those feelings before, feeling like, oh my gosh, this person doesn't know what they're talking about, or maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Is this therapist right? And I'm making the wrong calls. So I've had experiences on both sides where I've felt really small and then Or also on the other side, I felt like I knew more than the other therapist. But both of those viewpoints just get me in trouble because then it's just completely unpleasant. And then I'm not really thinking about the therapy. I'm thinking about what I know or what this other person doesn't know. So nowadays when I know a child has another therapist, I try to go out of my way to reach out to them just to ask them what they're working on in their therapy and then I'll let them know what I'm working on. I've learned that it's a lot more disarming if you come from a standpoint of I'm reaching out to you because I want to learn about what you're doing in your therapy instead of I want to contact you so I can tell you what to do um, because I know about speech and you don't. I think most people are more receptive to things when you come at it with a kind and compassionate standpoint. I think instead of trying to be the best therapist that this child has, it's better to collaborate, really truly collaborate and be like, this is what works for me. This is what doesn't. What works for you? What doesn't work for you? So being really open to learning and just zooming out and not letting that ego get in the way. And by the way, this is something that really takes work and a conscious effort to do because it's not easy when someone is judging your therapy and as much as you want to fight back and prove to them that you do know what's best, it's better to let it go and let them think what they'll think. Because at the end of the day, if you're confident in your therapy, then it will shine through and it's not your job to prove to anybody that you know what you're doing. Trust me, I know how frustrating it can be, but the more we can let that go and just be thinking about what's in the best interest for this child, it makes it so much easier for everyone. Also, it's like, who cares if this person thinks that they're better than you or that they know more than you? That really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. You know, let them think that. It's totally fine because the more that you let that interrupt what you're doing, it's just going to put you at a lower vibration. All that matters is that you're looking out for this child. You're providing strategies and carryover strategies for the parents at home and everything else will sort itself out. And again, it's not like you're co-treating and collaborating every single day, especially in EI. That's not so common, but When you do have those moments where you're in meetings with other professionals and if it's not going the way that you'd like, remember to breathe through it and just let go and let them think what they will. 
as long as you're confident in what you're saying and what you're doing, then it's all good. As long as people aren't being unethical, but they're maybe just being a little egotistical, that's fine. Let them be. So I hope you enjoyed this episode about collaboration. And I think the key takeaways from this are just don't let ego get in the way. Be confident in your own therapy. Be willing to listen and learn from other people. And remember that the most important thing is just your client and their families. It's really about just being a kind person and that will just shine through. And I really do believe that that will attract more kindness to you so that everyone could work as a team. Um, I know that's a little kumbaya, but it is the truth. The more you're kind, you're attracting more kindness so that it's easier for everyone to just work together in the, uh, for the best interest of the child. The more annoyed or frustrated or angry we get with other people, that's just going to attract more of that feeling. I hope this episode showed you that you're not alone in how you feel when you're collaborating with other therapists. Sometimes it is a smooth sailing walk in the park, and that's great when we can find other professionals who are actually easy to collaborate with. And I should have spoken more about the positives with all of this because I have positive collaboration stories. And when we are able to work together and share what works for us, it really benefits the family and being all on the same page really makes for more success. You're going to have collaborations where it's so smooth and great. And then you're also going to have ones where you do have to zoom out and make that conscious effort to not get so frustrated and annoyed. It's all fluid. Sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down. But I think the more we do it and the more experience we get with collaborating, the easier it does get. So I wish you the best of luck on all of your co-treating and collaboration journeys with other therapists. We're all in this together and we got this. So thanks again for listening to the Talk Tea podcast. I hope to see you on the next one. Again, if you could please consider leaving a five-star review, I would really, really appreciate it. It really helps me and I'm really loving all of the feedback. Don't forget to follow Talk Tea Speech on Instagram and you can find me on my website, talkteaspeech.com. I'll see you on the next one. <laughs>